0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 10 of Media Sandwich Reheated, the only podcast on the internet with Chris and Kyle, presumably, no. technically, actually, inaccurate. No, it's not, that's not true at all. <laughs> the only podcast where Chris and Kyle will lie to you, to your face, assuming that you are listening to this and holding it to your face. To your ears. To your, your ears, which is ablying next to your face.
1: to your ears, yeah.
0: Your, I mean, face is just like a fancy word for head. So,
1: anyway, I'm Chris. I'm Kyle, and I'm going to put that on your tombstone. (laughs) You know, face is just a fancy word for head. (laughs) Gee, what did he die of? (laughs) This this is why
0: the numbers of people who tune in listen to us.
1: There are (laughs) dozens of us. Dozens. At least. I mean,
0: I'm not going to make that claim for possible legal repercussions, but we, uh... <laughs> We've got stuff to talk about.
1: Wow, what a what a beginning!
0: What a beginning! We got stuff. We got Pokemon to talk about. We've got lions to talk about. We've got captains to talk about. Yeah, we before got Smash. we got
1: all that stuff to talk about, can we talk about some disappointments?
0: Uh, oh, I mean, I half of what I said there is going to fit into that. <laughs> but yes, oh, please point. let's let, let that's a good idea, Kyle. <laughs> This is good let's, practice. Let's, let's
1: start let's with the start airing with, of the grievances. Let, let's start with a bummer. Yes. yes. Well, no, not even a bummer. More like an oddity.
0: Okay, uh, oddities I, are
1: good. I just, I found it really, really strange that uh, if you were one of the folks who purchased the Premier holy crap edition of Fallout 76. Oh, you sorry. Look, you, yeah, sorry, for a variety of reasons, but... <laughs> Uh, The top reason is you were expecting some sort of badass canvas bag satchel thing that the Mm. whole schmear came in.
0: Yep, 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 yep.
1: And uh, evidently, this turned into a problem because Bethesda, because Bethesda,
0: because Bethesda,
1: apparently they ended up swapping out the canvas bags for like cheapo nylon bags.
0: Well, I heard that they couldn't uh, afford, or they didn't have enough canvas bags.
1: Yeah, I mean, and yeah, okay, you fall back on that excuse. That's a perfectly legitimate reason. Like, hey, look, we ran out. We didn't have, you know, enough product to meet demand. And and that makes sense, because I think these companies really underestimate the amount of worth people put into these pre-order special edition door prize things. Sure. But uh, here's the thing. I heard this past week they started swapping back in the canvas bags. Hmm. I don't know where I read that. I'm, I'm sorry I don't have a link or any citation, but I had heard that they were like, okay, okay, there's been an uproar. Let's, uh, let's bring back the canvas bags. And it's like, mm-hmm. so you had them, huh?
0: It's, I don't know, like, I can't picture what the bag looks like because I didn't, I'm not playing the game. I haven't really looked at a lot. I've heard a little bit about the canvas, the great canvassing of 2018. Yeah, canvas
1: Um, gate, because there's got to be a gate every three months.
0: As soon as I heard something about a pre-order bonus, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then when someone said something, something bag, I thought, but doesn't everyone already have, like, too many bags? And they're trying to get rid of bags, and that's why we have birthdays? people is so we can try to get rid of bags, but it's really just moving our bags around.
1: Pretty much. I, <clears throat> my big, yeah, I do feel bad that the game itself, Fallout 76, is really the afterthought of this little, you know, tabloid, video game journalism tabloid headline grabber sure. nonsense. Uh, yeah, yeah it, the, the game itself all I've heard of it is nothing but horror stories about how, you know, it's very very pretty to look at. There's nothing going on in it. Yeah, Media, what I'm hearing.
0: I've heard a lot of that sentiment. I don't want to comment on it myself, having not played it and not having any interest whatsoever because I just didn't get into the Fallout games. I, I did Fallout Three. I played through all of Fallout I beat Fallout 3, so I feel like I like to do that with games that I wouldn't normally play or games that I find I'm not enjoying, but, like, I want to have a good grasp so I can tell people, like, why didn't I enjoy Fallout 3? It's like, oh, well, these reasons. Is it a good game? Yes. Is it a game for me? No. So when I heard of Fallout 76, it's like, oh, I don't have to care. I just don't do Fallout. And then when I heard more about it, I was like, whoa, I really don't want to care about this game. This doesn't sound like a game that I would have any fun with. And now that it's out, it sounds like yeah. I'm not the only one who's not having fun with this game.
1: Well, I love Fallout 3. I'm a, I'm a big post-apocalypse, you know, uh wasteland kind of dude. I, I love that kind of archetype. But sure. lo- love Fallout 3, love New Vegas. I still have yet to play Fallout 4. Because that was a game that everybody loved for about three days, and then suddenly all I heard about it was just, you know, oh, it's garbage. It's garbage.
0: Well, I actually have a couple people I follow on Twitter who are pretty consistent with Fallout, specifically Fallout 4. Um, One woman that I follow, she posted, some, seemed like nightly she was posting stuff about Fallout 4 and, like, taking the in-game... Photos and shares and stuff like that. So it's it definitely had its following, especially since like what? How old is that game now? Three years old?
1: Is it that old already? Wow.
0: Yeah, look at your hand. Did it turn to dust as I said that?
1: <laughs> wow. Anyways, um, <laughs> in in a related story of the company behind a game, kind of backpedaling on something, uh, Red Dead Online, uh, the beta dropped <laughs> recently. <laughs> um, and, <laughs>
0: Not really a shock that um, I mean, isn't that kind of what Rockstar does though with their online games? Is they make a a base game that's, for all intents and purposes, stellar. And despite what may what we already discussed last time, our feelings on you know pushing your workers to breaking point, but it still sounds like they made an amazing game. um, And now they kind of have the well. Now we need to push the live services. So the online version, which seemed like they kind of just kicked that out the door, and they're like, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, this is kind of the unspoken
1: thing with Rockstar, is the idea of we're going to spend damn near a decade meticulously building this gigantic, immersive, single-player experience that everybody, you know, we're one of those rare companies that everybody comes to us for the single-player campaign experience. First and foremost, We're storytellers were this, that, the other thing. They they fancy themselves artists, mm-hmm. and then they, they figured out with um, Grand Theft Auto Five, we do that so well that people will buy the game no matter what. Yeah. Once we've got it sold to them, we can start making an ongoing revenue off of the microtransactions of an online GTA. Really,
0: it's good good because I mean, I I don't know how Rockstar couldn't have survived if they didn't have some sort of ongoing revenue stream. I mean, (laughs) they're on a shoestring budget as it is, Kyle.
1: No, yeah, but I yeah obviously money was there to be made. It's not like a video game company to leave money sitting.
0: No, and it is it is hard because it's very. It's very polarizing to talk about a lot of live service type games and a lot of the online experiences of the games because at the end of the day it's a business and a business has got to make money. Yeah, and, it's and also
1: stuff. there are plenty of people who who love playing the the online portion of these games and I don't I don't want sure. to yuck anybody's yums in that regard but it's I not really, for me.
0: I feel like a lot of time I don't actually think I have ever heard of a game launching, and the articles are, yep, an online game launched, and that was a great online launch, and everyone is happy. All I ever hear when an online mode or something launches on a game is usually, hey, there are connection issues, hey, this is buggy, hey, this is broken, hey, this is threadbare, hey, everyone's unhappy with this thing. I mean, even, like, the big guns, like... I mean, like, World of Warcraft didn't kick in for a while. It took a little bit for people to really go, oh, this game is really worth our time. Um, one of the craziest examples is Final Fantasy XIV Online, which has become hugely successful for Square Enix and has such a beloved following now and seems so strong. But people. some people have forgotten that, of course, it's Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn because they had to relaunch because the original launch for fourteen was so bad they kind of had to actually they didn't kind of they literally destroyed the world in it to reset the thing which yeah. is kind of hilarious and it's one of those if you weren't there to begin with you don't really know how far it came but that's kind of an interesting example of like this in this Perfectly encapsulates what I'm talking about here, and I know oh, yeah, GTA. That's, that's
1: an interesting example. This what yeah. we're talking about here is a very uninteresting example of hey, Cur- look, it's it's 2018.
0: Yeah,
1: The true, major true. complaint about this beta, of course, was hey, the economy in this game's like a hundred percent broken.
0: Yeah, no game economy ever. Well, I'm not even going to say that a econ- game economies ever repair themselves. Game economies are always kind of borked.
1: Well, but here's the thing with this one, they they immediately said, "Oh yeah, we're we're we they turned around, you know, from the complaints to a patch to fix the economy in mm-hmm. in this beta. I've never I've never seen Rockstar move faster to do anything in 20 years. Wow. I've never seen them turn around something as fast as the patch to fix the economy in Red Dead Online. Well, and that it makes, makes feel sense. Like it, yeah, it does. I I feel what they... This is where I put my tinfoil hat on and I become, like, video game Alex Jones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I, I swear to God, it's like they intentionally bork the economy in a game when they're launching the beta specifically so that they can patch it to acceptable levels of microtransaction nonsense and, and, you know, naked greed. Not not quite EA levels of greed, but pretty yeah. close. And, I feel
0: like it's, yeah.
1: And And we thank them for it. We thank them for <laughs> fixing it to that degree, which was probably where they wanted it in the first place.
0: I mean, it's very likely that they're like, okay, online launched. What do people think? Well, it's buggy. Eh, That's we'll we'll deal with that when it comes to it. People want more content. We're working on it. Also, our means of making additional money off of this is broken. We gotta get a patch
1: out on that right now. Yeah. Well,
0: you guys like working eighty-hour weeks. Let's do this.
1: The specific problems with this apparently are that the mission payouts are ridiculously low, and the prices of items are are like real-world high. Like. I saw somebody clamoring for realism in the prices, which made me laugh a little bit. Like a jacket didn't cost thirty dollars in eighteen ninety nine. It's like, yeah, but this is a video game, and nothing about it is real, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, that jacket costs thirty dollars because the people who want to sell you that virtual jacket, they don't care how much it costs in eighteen ninety nine. Here in twenty eighteen, it costs thirty bucks. Hmm. Um. You know, I mean, none of this affects me, I don't think I'm, I, I tried really hard to get into GTA Online and I just couldn't do it because the other people suck so much. <laughs> I, I just, and, and this is, this is not a screed against, against my fellow nerdlingers playing our video games together, it's just, I think I play video games to get away from everyone else, so maybe I don't... Maybe I'm just not the right person for it, but...
0: Yeah, I think I would enjoy online modes and games more if it had fewer players.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This uh, this job would be great if it weren't for the customers. Yeah. (laughs) But, no, I... It's very interesting to me that they they dropped this beta for Red Dead Online. You know, everybody saw it coming. Everybody was like, this is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to justify spending the last ten years working on this game, is you're going to make a ton of money just selling, like, horse armor, you know? They might actually literally have horse armor in that game eventually, just as a goof. I mean... Um, I would put money that they will put that in as a goof at some point.
0: That almost make that almost be too cute for them to do that to finally reference back to the first real.
1: real, I don't know if there's such a thing as too cute for Rockstar though.
0: I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird, man.
1: (laughs) It's a weird thing. You know what else is weird? What it's getting really, really weird. What is uh, streaming video services that are cropping up right now? <laughs> that was the segue you went with, huh? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I uh, love that. I was trying to. I'm like, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna
0: force this into my segue. You're like, no, I got one instead. <laughs> All right, streaming services and how I'm tired of them.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not tired of them. I love streaming services, but I think that there, there's someone who's, like, a year behind on everything, who's in charge of everything in the world.
0: Kinda. Because,
1: like, for instance, Warner Brothers, they're like, hey, we're going to launch our own streaming service. And it's like, ugh, all right, well, Disney's got one coming. and We've mm-hmm. got our, like, three or four big ones right now already. And Warner Brothers, didn't you just launch a DC streaming service already? So what are you doing now? What is this yeah. now? And they're like, uh, it's going to be a multi-tier service, so depending on how much you give us per month, the quality of content's going to vary wildly. Yeah. Like, yeah, because this wasn't complicated enough with five different logons for, you know, Netflix, Hulu, this Disney+, Plus, if we're going to have it, HBO, if you got that, you know, there's... Why, why would there be multiple tiers on a streaming service for Warner Brothers? What? It's
0: just dopey. I did, like, I was resistant to Disney having their own streaming service, and I'm still super resistant to that. I did hear that a lot of the, potentially the Netflix shows that all got canceled might return or move to Hulu. Which,
1: I think they would have to re. I think they they would have to reboot the characters if they wanted to move them anywhere. Is the problem
0: possibly? It's not clear. I mean, they have a big event that they just did where they can reboot anything they want to. I suppose, That's but true. the um, I mean, if someone put it into context for me is that I didn't realize this that Fox owns majority or some I think majority share in Hulu. Disney's buying Fox. Therefore, Disney will own the majority share of Hulu. Therefore, why would they want to have, if they own a streaming service, why would they put their stuff on a competing streaming service? Like, well, yeah, it's the same reason that once Disney bought Star Wars and they were running comics for Star Wars through Dark Horse and then suddenly like, wait a minute, we just bought Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. We have a comic company. Yeah. Why aren't we publishing these
1: under our comic company? And it's a big Dark Horse fan that makes me really, really sad.
0: Sad, and it's one of those, just like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It's not fun, but it makes sense. Sometimes,
1: Still, the, uh, yeah. I, the the did the Marvel uh, Star Wars comics era has been really good just the last couple of years has has produced a lot of really good work, and the Dark Horse era had some real gems amidst a, a lot of flotsam i mean Uh, they
0: had a little bit more liberty to just go nuts with it and they did for sure yeah
1: they had those dark age years where they were all that star wars was for about five or ten years there was comic books and novels but yeah but anyways yeah uh, warner brothers wants to do multi-tier and meanwhile um uh, what was it here, Facebook Watch is vying for our affections by buying the uh, steep s- streaming rights to the Joss Whedon Library.
0: Well, actually, what I read is that Facebook Watch is not vying for our attention, Kyle. They're actually vying for the generation older than us, which is ironic to read about a company going after our parents and our parents' parents, because usually it's about, how do we hit the millennials and the and the i generation and the youngsters and that, but now it's like, who's on Facebook and watches videos on Facebook? Older people, hey, older people, we got some stuff for you. And if,
1: if that's honestly their aim, if that's their goal, is to go after like, like baby boomer Facebook users? Yeah, they're going about it in the weirdest way possible. They are. I, I've already written about Facebook Watch and how just a couple of months ago they were, they were coming out hard and heavy. Like, you know, we're the new big streaming service. We're gonna be like Hulu where we've got originals that are critically acclaimed. We've got one with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Remember her? She hasn't been around in a while, but now she's back. Uh, we've got this one with the Olsen girl who's in those Avengers movies. Uh, it's real sad her husband died or something. Watch it here on Facebook on your phone. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this stuff going, well, how? How do you think you can do this? How do you think you can skip the necessary step of becoming a streaming service before just deciding that you have originals?
0: That's what Facebook does, though, is Facebook is baffling that it does everything poorly. But it does everything. And you find out that it does everything on accident because you don't know well, that it can do all these things.
1: Well, this whole Buffy, uh, to, to clarify everybody, uh, Buffy, Angel, and Firefly all got taken off of Netflix around the same time, and they've been without a home streaming-wise for a little while, and now that all of them are available on Facebook Watch of all places, it kind of actually, it does make sense when you think about it, because... What just happened, like, just this last week that caused a little bit of a hubbub was uh, Netflix was going to take Friends off of their streaming platform come January 1st. They were like, all right, we've had our fun with Friends, but that's the end of it, because this shit is really expensive to pay for the rights <laughs> for it. And, and there was an uproar. Like, people were like, don't you take away Friends off of here? it's like, I didn't realize that people still pined for friends. And then you think about, well, why did everybody end up getting a Hulu subscription eventually? I think it was because Seinfeld got thrown on there.
0: Well, it's one of those. I know that Hulu has built itself quite a bit since, uh, you know, it first kind of appeared. And I've got currently I have, I pay for Netflix, which I loan out to family members. I have a friend who gave me their Hulu password, uh, so I've been able to kind of pop into Hulu when there's something that Netflix doesn't have. Meanwhile, I've been actually doing most of my watching on HBO Go. From our buddy Vivek, I got his password, and I'm pleased that um, one of my favorite shows is Adam Ruins Everything, which had just got its like a first collection of like episodes from the first season and, so, and maybe some of the second season, like thrown onto Netflix, and it was this weird like this is weird, why isn't this just the first season, or whatever? It's just a collection of 20 episodes, out of order, and there is some, like, chronological, like, plot that they do, even though it's just, you know, an informational show. Um, And it really bugged me that... Netflix
1: still does this crap, where they're they're like, we'll we'll pay for the rights, we'll cherry-pick, like, 20 good episodes Mm -hmm. and pay for the rights for just those. They did that with Roseanne for the longest time, where they just had like a dozen episodes over the course of the first four seasons and that was all I had.
0: And I was I was pleased that after I showed my wife well, we know showed my wife Sherea all of the that first collection, I was like, well I'm still jumps and watch more and I saw some articles pop because the season uh season two just came back from Hiatus uh with Adam Rowan's guns. I'm like, oh I gotta see this. There's got to be some way to watch this somewhere without me having to pay for it. And I go, it's like, oh, they're pretty on it. They're they've chopped all of the, you know, face, you know, the YouTube uploads. Like good for them. You know, they're keeping they're keeping a watchful eye. And I'm like, well, the only place I can watch is True TV, but you have to have, a, you know, a cable subscription. To wait a minute, HBO Go uses the cable subscription password. Well, that? Yes, it does. And so, not only do I have HBO Go, but I have True TV's like Watch Now stuff, and I'm like, yes, can watch Adam ruins everything. I just am pleased as punch.
1: Well, I, I have heard good things about that show. Yes,
0: it's a very good show. Uh, highly recommend anybody who wants to watch that. And already the first episode that I've watched again in season two, which is, I mean, it's late in season two. This is like episode like twenty something. Like, Adam ruins guns. Very, very good. Very. Very thoughtful, very well presented. It you know shatters all the things you think you know about both gun control and gun rights. It's like oh, this is very interesting. Shows very very good about presenting information well. well I very very much love the show, but I feel you with the streaming services because I just I mean I get bummed that there'll be a show that I'll see like promos for and I'll go oh I really want to wo- watch oh that's on Amazon Prime. I don't have that and I don't feel like asking around to get the password for that, so I guess I'll just ignore that show because I don't have to watch that. It's not like I'm hurting for shows to watch or content to watch with three plus streaming
1: services. Every, Every one of these new services I hear about, I'm like, I, I, one, I don't have the money for it, but I really don't have the time.
0: Yeah, and I mean I've got shows, and I mean I'm to the point where like, what did I want to watch the most? I'm rewatching Game of Thrones right now, and, and finally getting it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, you're you're rewatching Game of Thrones, and that's the thing. People people went into an uproar over Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you tried to get rid of Seinfeld off of Hulu, people would lose their shit. Uh, yeah. They they just dropped King of the Hill on Hulu, and that was a big deal to people. A mm. show that ended like. 13 years ago, it feels like. Yeah. But th- that's the thing. That's what people watch on these streaming services, clearly. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm no better. I can't count how many times I've rewatched all of The Office. <laughs> Rosalie and I have gone through How I Met Your Mother like three times in its entirety over the last five years, probably.
0: It's impressive. I've only gone through that once.
1: Well, when you have little kids and... It's a case of they never go to sleep, but, they, but they're never quite, you know, awake from about 10 p.m. onward. You're just like, I guess we're just going to watch this with the sound off and the subtitles on. Because <laughs> it's either that or we're just going to sit here in silence and glare at each other over the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's,
0: yeah. that's another good reason I like Adam Runs Everything is because when we're watching episodes of that, if Charlie wakes up, comes into the room... Chances are it's going to be relatively safe for him to watch. And we actually had one night where I'm like, okay, which episode we watch next? Adam ruins fun or Adam ruins sex? And we're like, let's go with fun. So we went with fun, and Charlie woke up in the first five minutes. He comes out and sits and watches. I'm like, okay, we picked the right one. And in that episode in particular, there's a lot of cutting to different art styles So when he's talking about like children's TV, he does like a Muppet bit. When he's talking about Disney cartoons, he's cutting, he cuts to like Disney style animation. Uh, we talked about video games, he's going inside video games. And so Charlie really liked it and he wanted to watch more. And then the next day he asked, can we watch the show with the guy with his friend and he can do magic? (laughs) That's like, that's a peculiar way to remember this show but you're not wrong about that it is technically correctly Accurate noted
1: description yeah
0: yeah and it's cool that they've actually done a whole lot more a whole animated episodes they actually i think they have like a series that they did it was like a like six episodes or something like that of like animated history that i mean to go through at some point but
1: that's pretty cool yeah I mean, there are cool shows coming coming to streaming services too. You know, there's good news to go with the the doom and gloom. I I just I'm I'm not a huge fan of Facebook Watch. I think that the whole idea is completely muddled, and every every step they take just feels like they're they have no clue what they're doing. It it feels yeah. like it's some executive's like pet project that he just won't let go of.
0: Well, every streaming service is kind of like that. I don't know how many of them actually make the money that they need because. I had heard that Netflix is, makes a lot of money, but they spend way more than they make, and somehow it's still afloat because it's just like everyone assumes it's going to be a success someday and return on the investment, but it, I guess it hasn't. Yeah, it's really weird.
1: I've read or heard something similar. I yeah, I never which, know. I never know if that stuff is all pure conjecture or what, or or I mean, if it's absolutely true. Either way, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: It makes sense that obvious. I mean, I think that anyone can argue that Netflix is way underpriced. Not that I want them to raise the price, and of course, every about two years they like oh, by the way we're gonna put up another dollar. Does anyone notice we did it by a dollar? And, like, they're slowly trying to get it to where they kind of need it to be, like, incrementally. Because it's like, yeah, that service is, like, the amount of money they've spent and the amount of content they've created and the rights that they've held on to, it's obscenely expensive for them. And for, what is it now, like, $11 a month, $12 a month for the streaming service, is it's pitifully small for like how much they need to be making. I mean it should be close to probably thirty. Not that I want to pay that, and if it got up to thirty immediately I'd probably have to drop it, but
1: Well that yeah, that's the thing is it it really it all started with Netflix and now it seems like the one that I I feel like I could drop the easiest. Which is weird because it's probably the one I use the most.
0: I could drop Hulu easily. That would be the one I use least.
1: The thing about Hulu is that it's got all the kids' cartoons on it for me. Sure. But it's also got a a whole lot of good old TV shows that aren't running anymore that Netflix used to have, but they got rid of in favor of their originals. Netflix, the only thing keeping me there is they've got really good originals. They've also got a whole lot of garbage originals, but...
0: Well, that's what makes it fun.
1: That is. That is. But uh, Chris and I keep talking about doing a show where we go through all of the worst Netflix originals that you can find, like the Richie Rich show that they made a while back.
0: Original shows and movies—they make some weirdo movies.
1: Oh they- yeah, Christmas season's gotten really nasty around Netflix. It—it <laughs> it just feels like a like a Hallmark Christmas over there.
0: It's it's weird, but I'll tell you what i tell you what, Kyle. i tell you what. i tell you what. Segway. Um, something, something Detective Pikachu.
1: <laughs> that is the worst segue ever, but... Well, I can't... We're
0: gonna, I, go was with gonna I was gonna say something earlier about, like, oh, you know, virtual realism in, Gran- in the Grand Theft Pony 2. And it's like, oh, it's not virtual realism. Well, speaking of that, it's just, Detective Pikachu is a live-action Pokemon movie about virtual monsters. Um... That trailer came out, what is was it, like, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago?
1: Something like that, yeah. I was, I was in the middle of my writing coma when that came out. And I had heard,
0: like, over a year ago that they were making this movie, and it just never, like, registered in my head that, oh, yeah, they're actually going to make a live-action Pokemon movie starring Ryan Reynolds as the voice of Pikachu. I'm like, no, eh, that's not going to work. Whatever. I, and, I, I heard
1: about it, and I felt the same way about it that I felt about, like, the Bumblebee movie where I was like, Oh yeah, sure, that'll actually happen. That's not yeah. totally like the the Gambit movie that I'm never gonna see either. But you yeah. know, I, felt, I I felt the same way about Venom too. So I'm wrong all over the board.
0: As soon as I saw the trailer for Detective Pikachu, it's like, yeah, by the way, we really did it. I'm like, oh cool, they really, holy crap, they, holy crap, they really did it. They re- they really did it. And I'm watching this trailer, like gas, just like stoked out of my mind because I have wanted them to do something live-action Pokemon movie forever, and I'm actually quite shocked that they haven't, and I'm already really, like, sad that they won't do a cinematic universe for this, as they should, because Pokemon as a universe could sustain a live-action, you know, universe? (laughs) Like, cinematic universe? Like, it's one of the few properties I feel like there's enough content there that has not been explored that could be built out like oh yeah we could just make pokemon movies now about whatever and i like that they started with a bonkers concept of hey what if pikachu was a detective and could talk to this kid yeah
1: i mean going back to, go to solve crime yeah going back to like transformers i mean if you can do it with those you can do it with the with the Pokemon easily.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I, it was weird to me that, like, right now, I seem to be the contrarian when it comes to every movie trailer that's coming out lately. Um, except for, like, Into the Spider-Verse. I was excited about that, and it sounds like everyone is, was rightfully excited. It sounds like that movie's amazing, and I can't wait to go see it soon. Um, that I'm excited.
1: I, I want to take the boy to it. I think he'll dig it.
0: Yeah. Uh, with Detective Pikachu, a lot of people were like, wow, this is gonna be, I'm gonna see it, but, oh, it's realistic Pokemon. No thank you. Look at that. Jigglypuff's all fuzzy. Ooh, no thank you. Ooh, look at that. Looks like I'm like, what? What are you talking about? This movie looks phenomenal. Like, that, did you not think that these creatures would be weirdos in real life? Like, oh no, they translated the weird things into life. Like, yeah, it's a balloon monster. Yeah, it's a mime monster. Look, are it's you? a friggin' dragon. I-
1: I am going to argue that it it might be one of those things that just doesn't translate properly but I'm I'm totally game to see the attempt. It's
0: just going to be it's, it's going to be just like the wizard on some level where I'm going to go and every time a new pokemon appears live action I'm going to scream and go, "I know that one. I know that one. I've seen I know that one." And that's going to be exciting. Every single time.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I, so this will be like Rogue One for you was for me.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious because so far they've shown a few of the Pokemon that are in the movie. Obviously, Pikachu, they've showed a little teaser that looks like Psyduck is going to be featured a lot with another character. Uh, Jigglypuff pops in, they have a great scene with Mr. Mime, which I think is really, really funny. They show a little battle with a Charizard, and then they have, like, a bunch of sequences with Greninjas. And it makes me curious, like, okay, they've shown those ones, but clearly there's 800 more. Which ones are we gonna be seeing in this movie? Like, how much are they gonna go in? And that's my only hesitation, I'm sure the second trailer will probably give me more to, is that There's so many Pokemon that they could put into this movie. Which ones are they going to pick? How many are they going to pick? Are they only going to show you a handful, which would feel like a waste to me? Or are they going to really show like the breadth of, here's where this could really go. Here's a lot of them. Like I think if they don't have at least 50 to 100 different ones in that movie, then they've kind of wasted it. If that yeah, feels fair. Even if they're not featured. Like, I don't mind if you have, like, you know, 50 out of the 100 they show are just background, like, you know, oh, and there goes a Machop walking by. And, that,
1: and, and that's really the only way you can do it, because from what the trailer looks like, it really does look like it's laser-focused on this on on this one Pikachu. It, it feels like a character piece.
0: Which is fine. And I just hope that we get a lot more, like, you know, because the world of Pokemon, everyone's can't shut up about Pokemon, and it'll be really good to see a movie where they're trying to take a, no, everyone maybe has a real life, and Pokemon happen to exist, but, like, in the games, it's exhausting, because everything is just all about Pokemon, and every character only talks about Pokemon, and they're boring people in the game. That's one of the reasons I think the Pokemon games can be so boring. Sometimes, like, when you just play the game straight through, and you're not trying to, like, collect everything, and you're actually trying to go for a story, you're like, Good writing, because they don't have good writing. They have functional writing. Where every yeah, character story only has to...
1: reaches as far as the, as Pokemon does.
0: Yeah, and it's like any game you play through, your character, like the NPCs are either going to tell you about, oh, did you know that Team Rocket is stealing Pokemon? And like letting you know, like, relevant stuff to what you have to do. Or they'll be talking about, oh, did you know that your Pokemon likes it when you give it treats and like other you know side functions you could do or they're just referencing pokemon like oh it's a bright sunny day a better pokemon use sunny day make the sun come out which is horrifying to consider that the weather can change just because a 10 year old told their monster to change the weather that morning how many times they just change it back and forth and screw with who knows what I'd say the local ecosystem, but I know the local ecosystem is just Pokemon, so who knows?
1: Not I. Not I.
0: But uh, more on Pokemon. I recently got Pokemon Let's Go Eevee on the Switch. And this was mostly exciting because I was gonna make this Charlie's first Pokemon game, and kinda of like first real game that he himself played, and he, I did start with him playing, and I was stoked when I realized that the way that the Switch is built, you can have up to eight profiles on your Switch, and each profile has different save files. And Pokemon oh. games don't traditionally allow you to have more than one save file, which is bogus, but I understand that there, I mean, <laughs> I think they did initially for memory constraints in the original version, where there's so much memory you had to save that you can only have one save file. Now they do it because they know that if they only have one save file, they're gonna make you buy another game. You're gonna buy another version of it. But here, on the Switch, you can, it's, you can do different save files because you have different profiles. I'm like, yes, finally, I can do this. So I'm, I was excited that Charlie started playing it and I was really, I was really excited to see what he thought and to have him mostly play it. And I've been trying to be very hands-off, only kind of helping him uh, reading through text and giving him kind of the, like, here's what you need to do next prompts. Otherwise, I'm letting him decide, like, what he wants to do. Does he want to succeed or fail? I'm, like, trying my best not to backseat parent. And it's interesting to see him play and realize that just he struggles with control sticks. They just they just are not intuitive to him. Yeah, which makes sense. Sure. I mean, he's he's still learning, and I thought, like, well, with me, because I was about his age when I got into Super Mario Brothers on the NES, and I got really good at it really fast and just grasped the concept. But then again, Super Mario Bros. is two buttons and a control stick, and the controller is small enough that a child's hands can easily hit all the buttons. And Mario Brothers is in a 2D plane, so it goes side to side, and you can jump, but it's just left to right, basically. And you got a button to jump, and you got a button to hold to run in the Spitfire. That's it. It's very basic to kind of train you how that works. And here, the game is still very basic, where you can play it with just a single Joy-Con. And in fact, you have to play it with a single Joy-Con, which I think is a really bad control scheme, because you have to use the joystick and press the button with the same finger, So you're constantly jumping between the joystick to the button, joystick to the button, and I don't like that. But the game really only uses the joystick and three buttons. You use the joystick to move around, A button to talk to stuff, and like select stuff, B button to back out of stuff, and then like X for menus. And like Y to select some other stuff in menus. But, not difficult. As soon as I played it handheld mode, I, which I was curious because it uses motion controls when you have just the Joy-Con where it's, oh, you're in a, You've encountered a Pokemon, you're gonna throw your Pokeball, cause it's basically Pokemon Go, but like, on the Switch. And so you're like, okay, and you whip the controller, and whew, oh look, you threw a Pokeball, and oh, you caught the Goo, look at you, you caught the thing. You caught a Goobergot, and it's like, great, put it in your Pokebag, you and go get another one.
1: As somebody who doesn't know Pokemon that well, this, it'll never fail to amaze me how much it just sounds like you're making shit up as you go. <laughs>
0: just oh look at that! It's a Munchin' lunch. This evolves into the into the into the, 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 the buffet lore. This <laughs> is great. And
1: oh, that's a that's a rare red weebolo. Whoa! Yeah. You
0: got a shiny weebolo.
1: Those and, ones and only have those. Have... This one's a spotted nematode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: we're not that far off. I mean, if I started telling you, like, oh no, you like you gotta run through and catch a ratet falls into a eradicate, go get an Ekans, which is just snake spelled backwards, falls into an Arbok, which is cobra spelled backwards with a K. <laughs> go get a Pidgey, turns into Pidgeotto, turns into Pidgeotto, and then Pidgeot, and then like, but you can also get a Spearow, turns into a Fearow. evolve your evolve your Salamander, flaming Salamander into a flaming dragon, Salamander. Salamander Dragon. Hey, your turtle doesn't have cannons on its back yet. Let's make that happen.
1: Let's definitely make that happen.
0: Hey, have you caught that Mime Pokemon? What's it called Mr. Mime? You made that up. No, that's really his name. It's Mr. Mime. Oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, so I'm playing through it now, and I'm baffled because the game, if I were to give it, A number score out of 10, it's an 8 out of 10. And letter score, it's an A minus. number of stars, 4 out of 5 stars. It's not a bad game at all. It's a very good game. It's well crafted. It's just bafflingly not crafted well enough. Yeah. Uh, And I get that they were going for a younger audience. And I'm not complaining that it's too simple, of which it is, or that it's too dumbed down, which it is that's for the cuz obviously they're hitting a new generation for the kids um i'm mostly frustrated that for everything they're trying to do to modernize the pokemon experience cuz it's basically a remake of pokemon yellow which is the original gen and you have the original 151 pokemon and there's a it's kind of back to basics. Um, You've still got the battling system in place like you would have back then uh, with a the more modern sensibilities with some like modern creature comforts that the, the series has implemented, but there's still like the battles are still more simplistic. There's no Pokemon abilities and typically Pokemon, every Pokemon has a special ability to them. It's like some are like, Oh, they, their power increases when it's sunny or oh, these ones cannot be confused because they have this thing. Or these ones um, always, any status ailment, they shed their skin after a turn. So, like, Pokemon have abilities. That's part of it. And they also have hold items. So it's like, oh, this person can hold this item that makes their, you know, electric power 1.5 times stronger, or this person... We'll hold this. No, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like this one has like a, a bracer so they can, you know, take a, like a focus staff, like, So, Like they can take a hit and usually like survive with one HP. If like, it would normally be a, a one hit KO. Um, So though some extra strategies, no hold items, no abilities. So it's kind of back to basics. Just battle your Pokemon. And it's weirdly super easy, like more so than it's ever been. And I think that's a misstep, and I so, do really yeah. – I, 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 and it's weird because it's like, yes, I understand it's for kids, but so is the original, and the original didn't hold my hand. It's panked my butt. When – if it's like, hey, do you understand how typing works? Uh-uh. Well, go talk to the NPCs because they can't shut up about typing. Then come back and get your butt kicked again unless you've learned that grass beats water – and water beats fire and fire beats grass. Go learn that. The holy trinity of, of rock, paper, scissors. Okay, I'll be back. Like as a kid you had it was like learn or don't play. And now it's literally the first gym you go into, which is the rock type gym, they do it. A- they stop and they stop. You're like hold on, you can't come in here until you, unless you have a grass or a water type, which has super effective abilities against a, uh, these Pokemon in here. So they force you to go back and make sure that the player has found what they need and has not just found but, like, shows it to them. It doesn't just say, oh, look, you have a water type in your party. They say, hold on, show me that you understand what I'm asking you to do, and you have to, like, present your hall pass. And they're like, okay, come on in and on one hand I'm like again oh yeah it's good good for basics teaching the kids on the other hand I'm like but I didn't need that when I was a kid and I'm not trying to do the my day games were hard but it's more like you can see this with kids shows and how kids shows now are phenomenal because kids shows now and kids like movies made for kids Typically, are not dumbing themselves down. They're dealing with heavy emotions. They're dealing with heavy, like serious subject matter, and the sh- the shows and movies that like are groundbreaking. Um, I mean, any pick any Pixar movie. Pick most DreamWorks movies that are coming out these days. Um, go through a lot of, I like, go through Avatar, the Last Airbender, or um, like Steven Universe or Adventure Time and stuff. Like, there's so much that's obviously for kids, but also definitely like, no, we're not going to talk down to you. We're going to hit you with some serious stuff here, because we know that you're a kid, but you can handle stuff, and we find that balance. And it's a shame to see that this is kind of the approach that Pokémon has taken of, yes, we want to go after kids and introduce kids to this world. fine. But we don't think you kids are smart enough to handle this, so let's make sure that everyone gets a participation trophy. And, and apologies, that's a. I've 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 become so old. I'm complaining about participation trophies, I guess. But
1: yeah, uh, that took a turn. <laughs>
0: it's a turn. No, but it's it's still that idea of, um, it's kind of like the oh no, you can't play outside alone without knee pads and elbow pads and helmet because you could hurt yourself in the playground and, like, here, stay inside and blah, blah, blah. It kind of feels like that helicopter parenting in this game where every step that there could be a challenge for the player to kind of grow, instead hold your hand and says, no, 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 that's okay. Come on back, come on back. I'll make this simple for you. Um, even to the point that, like, your main partner Pokemon, and in this one, if you pick, let's go Pikachu, it's Pikachu. If you pick, let's go Eevee, it's Eevee. And it's very cute that I like the Eevee I've got. I named it D'Artagnan. I, I, I think it's cute. Um, yeah,
1: You'll never let go of that name, I don't think. Yeah.
0: Um. He, and when you throw it out and it's fighting, like, you can also, like, pet it, like, in between battles and, like, talk to it and stuff. And it's got, it's re- actually really cute interactions between your... Your player avatar and your your partner. So I'm like, oh, I really like that. It's really sweet. It's really cute to see. Um, but you go into battle and like, I got he got paralyzed from an attack, like an electric attack paralyzed him. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Now Evie's going to be slower. And it's like, Evie Evie used all of the love he had for you, and he worked through it, and he's no longer has a status ailment. I'm like, I mean, I guess that's good. I guess it means I was treating him nice. But I mean. Slap me on the wrist at least a little bit. (laughs) I mean, I let him get, I let him get hit with an obvious, like, status ailment move. Let me deal with this. Let me learn a strategy other than, oh, he'll be fine. He'll get over
1: it. Let's, let's, uh, let's get some stakes involved.
0: Yeah, and it's even still low level. Like, I've, I, it's, the hardest part for me, actually, is that the game, going back through the original 151, I just am tired of 151, because they have over 800. I don't ever want to see another Pokemon game that doesn't, like, hit me with at least 100 in the first hour. It should be unforgivable for that. They have so many options, and I don't care if they try to say, oh, well, eh, because every new Pokemon game is in a new geographical location. I don't care. Don't pull that with me. Just... Tell me that I'm in a magic. I'm already in a magic land with magic monsters. I don't don't try to pull this. Oh well, they only live in one place. I don't care. Say the new game is set in a place that just has them all. Just has them all. It's just the best one, and it's got another hundred. So now there's nine hundred.
1: Nine nine. Yeah. There you Let's go. Just say,
0: yeah, so there's 900 now total because in this new land, everyone exists. Also, there's more of these. Also, all the legendaries and mystic ones are back. Also, all the starters are back. Who cares? Why not? You encounter your you know, first hour, here's the a here's hundred different Pokemon you could possibly encounter. What team do you have by the end of it? Oh, it's going to be, chances are your team is going to be 100% different than every other person who plays this because it's so difficult for you to pick only the same ones every time because we finally gave you options. Like, we've built enough. You should be able to pick. You shouldn't have to all have the same bird type, the same normal type, and then the same water, and the same fire, whatever. Like, there's very little variation that happens when you restrict them down to this, especially in this first game. Like, I'm after the third of eight gym leaders, and I just, I have a team, and I'm disappointed with myself that it's like, oh, yeah, I got the Bulbasaur Charmander Squirtle because they give them to you. Very simply, which happened in Pokemon Yellow, so it's like, no, it's not like they're just giving them to the player. It's like, oh, no, this is what they did in Yellow, and it's because they know people want to have Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle, because they're the iconic ones. And it's like, okay, I have them in my party, and I'm disappointed in myself that I don't not want to use them. Because I'm like, well, why would I use anything other than Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle in my party? I mean, why eat chicken when you can have steak, you know? Like this well, is isn't it? Isn't it
1: why hamburger when you can have steak?
0: It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, just... I
1: guess it. I guess it works with chicken, but that's kind of like chick. That's like apples and oranges, and then we're in a completely different food group. Why have apples and oranges when you can have steak? <laughs> that's the Chris Pranger way, right there.
0: It's just it's really tough, and I think. Well, I'm trying to use Pokemon that I haven't used, but at the same time, just. They haven't given me enough that I go, oh, it turns out that I've played through the first generation enough times now, and I think total I've played through it five separate times. This will be my sixth time through it, I think. Um, I don't... (laughs) It's really not... There's nothing left for me to... like. I can't pick ones that I haven't played before in the first gen when they keep restricted that much. Because, you know, it's not literally 151 different monsters. It's evolutionary lines. So it's like... I don't know how many there's probably like 70 different ones you can choose from ultimately, maybe 80 mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's just kind of that bummer of man, I just really wish I wish for more I wish I' I'm, you know I'm being unreasonable. me as an old curmudgeon I'm being unreasonable and I want more from this game they made for children but again I want I want my game made for children to be more treat the kids like you treated us back in the day. Give us, you know, give us more. Treat us and and, and truly, like, understand that we can handle things, you know? You know? You know?
1: I I get everything you're saying, and it all sounds really reasonable, but at the same time, I'm really enjoying the juxtaposition of old man yelling at cloud and also get off my childhood. Yeah. (laughs) That's (laughs) combining at the same time. It's, it's
0: weird, and I'm. I mean, the important thing is that Charlie's having fun. He's up to the second gym leader, so he's he's moving along. So wow, I'm sure I mean, he, that's impressive for a kid his age. Yeah, I mean, the game is not that tough yet, and I have not held the... I haven't been steering the ship for him, nor have I been showing him the way to go, but I have been lar- like, loudly like, <laughs> All right. Um just in case he missed it or if he's like help me I'm like okay what you want to do is go that way. You want to try to go out of these woods. Like okay. Um now actually we're trying to move through a tunnel. It's like we're going in the cave. You're like I don't want to go in the cave. I want to go back. I'm like you got to you got to go forward. Through the, like the game won't do anything else if you don't go forward through this cave. Why well, I want to go back here? Like oh, okay. This going to be a long gameplay. But <laughs> other topics.
1: Oh, um, oh yeah,
0: the another trailer that dropped recently uh, was Lion King <sighs> live action inspired, and I uh, oh, so I'm many so, semantics.
1: Yeah, I I am officially at the at the breaking point where I'm sick of having to hear people go, "This isn't really live action." Yet we know, we know It's Is, is it a poor choice of words to call it live-action? Yes. Notice that Disney never used the phrase live-action.
0: I mean, it's people have, like, I, I made the sin of saying, you know, oh, the live-action Lion King trailer looks really cool. I mean, forgive me. I know what they mean. It's it's going for a live-action aesthetic. I know that it's not. So now I'm more carefully being like, the Lion King live-action aesthetic movie Like that's what they're going for. I'm giving them credit for it looking to me like it hit that goal. Like they're. I'm just
1: calling it the John Favreau, uh, the John Favreau Lion King.
0: Also good. And I watched the trailer, and I actually was like fuming at not at the trailer. I watched the trailer. I'm like, well, that looks great. I'm stoked. I am. Again, I used the word stoked again. I don't know how many times I've used it today already, but I'm stoked. This fire is stoked. I can't wait for this movie. It is exactly what I hoped and why is everyone mad? And I look around and I see people scoffing and going, well, uh, I guess it's gonna be bad. And I'm like, what, what about that trailer that based said it was gonna be bad? Based on
1: what? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they're like, oh well, and I, and so the sentiments I've seen, number one, a lot of people said, who asked for this? Like, I raised my hand. I asked for this. I saw the, the live-action Jungle Book, and I can still say that because there's a live kid in that movie. Uh, I saw the live-action Jungle Book, and Jungle Book was my favorite Disney animated movie. And the live-action Jungle Book was better than that, so I have high praise for that movie. I loved that one. It it was great.
1: It's a really darn good movie, and it yeah. gives it gives a uh, character art to characters like Baloo, who in the original mostly existed just for fun times. Like, Baloo yeah. has a definite arc in the Jon Favreau jungle book. It's, and, it's Baloo, a decent retelling. Baloo
0: had an arc to some extent in the original. Probably Actually, Baloo probably had the most arc of any character in the first one, um, like in the original. And But there's so much in that that doesn't really work. Like, Mowgli doesn't really work as a character. Um, he's not a fun character to follow, Um it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to need to get out of the uh, for forest. us just going to say that Shere Khan's coming back. He's this looming threat that doesn't really appear until late in the movie, and then he's, like, chased away by kind of a goof. Um, and this is all said out of love because I love that animated movie, but when I saw John Favreau's version and added so much more nuance and context and, like, gave weight and it immediately establishes Here's Mowgli and why Mowgli don't fit in and why that, ha- why that is and why he has to grow. Here's Shere Khan. Here's why he is the bad guy. You didn't think he was the bad guy. Here he is proving he's the bad guy and he is worth being like feared. Cool. We have our protagonist. We have our antagonist. Now we're going to figure out how to make this work. And ultimately it was more, it had a better payoff. I was really pleased with everything they pulled. Um, even the goofy, like, ham-fisted, yeah, we're going to put the original songs back in. They may not work, but you know what? Who cares? It's Christopher Walken as King Louie. He's going to sing. Yeah. Like, you like, and it's, yeah, you look at that and you're like, does that work? No. Do I care? No. Great. Give it to me. And so as soon as I heard, oh, he's going to do live action inspired or live action aesthetic Jungle uh, Lion King, I'm like, oh, I'm excited. And everyone's, whoa, who asked for this? So first off, I asked for this. Second, third, and people saying, oh, look at that. Look at that. It's just a shot-by-shot shot remake of the original What's Even the Point, In which I'm screaming, it's a teaser trailer. It explicitly states it's a teaser trailer. If you stop and consider that, how can you be? How can you make the conclusion? Oh well, they're just going to rip off the whole Movi's and this shot by shot remake. Why do we need this? It's the teaser trailer, yeah, and if it's actually te-
1: conceivable that that entire thing was built just to be the teaser trailer and actually isn't even in the movie at all, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's the case, but it's possible.
0: It's possible, but it, I mean, if you're gonna tease the Lion King, how do you tease it? The original Lion King trailer and opening are some of the most iconic things from all of Disney. So, of course, to tease the live-action one, they're going to tease it with that opening and show, hey, you remember the original, just want to give you a baseline that we understand the original and that this is kind of what the original is going to look like in our version. That's okay. what I saw.
1: And even I, they- I am excited for this version just because of the cast, too, because they've got oh. a pretty... Dang good cast built
0: around this. I am excited because of the cast. I'm excited because John Favreau has not led me astray on things. He's he's been pretty hit. He's on a he's on a hit streak. I mean, I'm still I'm still in his court. Now that I've changed from baseball to to tennis, <laughs> this one's going to be a slam dunk, Kyle. Let me tell you
1: what. Uh, okay, Chris, touchdown. Uh, yeah. After
0: after, you know, after Chef and and The Jungle Book, Lion is going to be a hat trick.
1: They're very good, very good. Uh, <laughs> 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 You're real proud of yourself. Um, Everyone thinks it's going to be a sticky wicket, but it's not. Uh, okay, now you've lost me. Uh, <laughs> uh, cricket? Uh, <laughs> cricket? Bats? I don't know. I don't know what a crumpet is.
0: I understand cricket.
1: Yikes. A um, well,
0: Jose Canseco bat. Tell me,
1: you didn't pay money for this. <laughs> oh man, that that joke certainly has not aged well. <laughs> um, speaking speaking of trailers, though, another trailer uh, for a movie we've been keeping our eyes on landed, which was uh, we got a new Captain Marvel trailer.
0: We did, and I'm also the contrarian in the room, and. I don't want to be the contrarian, but uh, listen to me. I don't want to be this, but um, I am excited for the movie because I have been excited for all of the Marvel movies. And I love Captain Marvel as a character in the comics. Um, the trailers make me think she's going to be really boring. And the new trailer kind of emphasizes to me again that she's going for a very cold, kind of muted version of this character that I liked when she was really dynamic in the comics and very larger than life, Um, huge personality. And the trailers haven't really given me that sense. The trailers so far make me feel like she's just kind of filling a, a role that they wanted to fill I don't know, it feels almost too much, like, trailer-wise, beat for beat. I,
1: like, I think I know what you're trying to say. I think you're trying to say that the... What what makes Carol Danvers such an interesting, fun character, like, a real human character, especially coming from that big, big run uh, that kind of rebooted the character from, uh, I think it was Kelly Sue DeConnick? I think so. Did the, like, the, you know the big reboot of Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel in that suit Mm -hmm. that, that we're seeing in all the promos like that, that seems to be what they're pulling uh, the character from the most is that run of the comics. And in that run, she has a personality that's very kind of, I'm not really sure what the right term is and, also, now that I think about it, there are so many terms that you ascribe to a female superhero characters that sound really condescending. Like she's spunky,
0: yeah, and it's <laughs> it's um, more
1: like she's very bombastic, is what
0: I kind of gain. Because when I first started, it was before that reboot run, um, and in the comics, it was she was still in the black suit with a bolt, um, and she like her the character at the time was just kind of getting her powers back. And was working with an agent to kind of rebuild her image and brand. And it was really interesting to me that she's like talking to herself about like how she's trying to basically, I think she even makes a joke about trying to get her groove back and, to me, it was like she was very self-aware of. Her. She was a realized character at that time. To me, I'm reading her going, "I like this person. She she has flaws, and she's aware of them, and she's actively trying to better herself. She's she's a superhero that's trying to better herself, in a very professional, you know, like relatable way. This isn't just a I must get good with my powers. It's I gotta make a living, and to do that, I have to make this brand
1: work. And yeah. so I'm gonna have yeah, to having work said all time. of that. Yeah. yeah no I, I hear what you're saying having said all of that I do think that this is a case of just it's it's a trailer problem I think yes. that it I think that the this is just the way the trailer has been cut to make her kind of more or less a silent stoic hero I don't think she has much to I don't think many words escape her in either of the trailer or the, the teaser and then the trailer proper that we've seen thus far
0: yeah And I'm curious just how much of the movie is her trying to uncover her backstory, which is not as interesting to me to uncover her backstory, mostly because Carol Danvers in the comics, I know enough of her backstory to know that mainly the question we need answered as comic fans is which backstory do they want to deal with and which aspects of it are they going to try to throw away? Cause there's a lot, that we can happily throw away, and a lot that some people are going to be resistant to throwing away. Well, but that's and like,
1: taking the hack and slash approach like that does work when it's done right. Namely, yes. Ant Man and the Wasp is mm-hmm. a great way of cherry picking all the stuff from that from from that set of characters that works, and totally sure. discarding the stuff that doesn't.
0: And they've kind of done that with every every one. So it's not like I'm going, oh, you know, trying to establish
1: well, everyone else was fine. Why
0: are they doing this? Like, no, they've done that with all the other characters. Like every character backstory has shifted enough that they've made it the cinematic universe version. And I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with how characters have been introduced and I'm fine with whatever they're going to do here. I'm just not like, I don't know. I I'm kind of burnt out on the, like, I must uncover my past. And I'm, I don't know who I am, but who am I? And cause to me, like the question, who am I? I'm, I know the answer. I look, you're you Cap, Captain Marvel. Yes, but who am I? Well, you can fly, punch stuff, and shoot energy beams.
1: I think I think a large portion of that is trailer marketing, but I, I think I really a, hope so. I think a lot of it is also that they they have to treat this like, look, this is our first female-led film in this in in the the macro series, the the Marvel. Cinematic universe, this is the first female driven movie. We have to treat that with pomp and circumstance and the trailers are hinging on that. They're saying, okay, this totally worked for Wonder Woman. It'll work for us in this regard. We'll make her our emblem of, look, we're finally, get, we're finally doing this. Yeah, we're fair, finally, fair, fair, fair. uh, I, I think that also, it speaks well to whether or not they're going to give this character the personality that she kind of demands in the casting. I think that if you're casting Brie Larson, your character is going to be a bigger character. Mm -hmm. I, I think she's going to be a little bit more of the, the, well, what's the term I'm looking for? Not boisterous, but kind of the more outspoken and, and social, uh Carol that that is in that's that uh Deconic series.
0: Yeah, I think the best like um amalgam, not amalgam, uh analog that we've kind of already seen in the Marvel movies would be um Oh, I'm blanking on her name. In Black Panther, Black Panther's sister is it Siri? Uh, Shuri. Shuri, sorry. Um I feel kind of like that where it's a character that is their own character. They're not afraid to speak their mind, and they're also really cool. So it's not. They're not like an obnoxious, like I'm here too. It's like no, like I want to see that character more. They've they're they're a cool character, and they. I, are, I maintain my
1: theory is, at some point or another, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be done appearing on camera. He's going to. they tr- they where they're, they're gonna make Tony Stark the AI in the Iron Man suit, and Shuri is going to wear the suit.
0: I would be very pleased with that because I that think that would be she, awesome. She's one of my favorite characters in all the Marvel movies. She's just really darn cool. I mean, I love it when you know they're like, oh, there's like a trillion lines of code. It is like, can you do it? I'm like, I'm going to have to. Like, I'm smart enough. I guess I'm gonna go through a trillion lines of code in like 20 minutes. And I don't know. I just think she's cool. And I kind of, I think that sort of attitude is what I normally associate with Carol Danvers of the, I'm not going to take this crap from you. Like I have been in, I, you know, I'm military trained. I'm Novacore trained. I am captain friggin' Marvel. And Tony Stark isn't going to tell me what to do because <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. I'm in charge. I'm, I mean, she's one of the, like, Omega-level powers in the comics, I know that. Like, at one point, she's, like, the heavy hitter When certain other characters, I think. I think when Thor's dead for a while, and I think Sentry's gone, I think she was, like, the heavy for, like, everybody. And, like, and that's was, why
1: it kind of makes sense that they're bringing her in as, that they've set her up as the, uh, the heavy that's going to turn the tide against Thanos in Avengers 4. Yeah. I, I like the fact that they had a rough time coming up with how you bring that character in so late in the game after you introduce everyone else. Yeah. And I, I think the the obvious way they're going about it, the, the, her movie's going to take place in the 90s, or at least most of it definitely is. It, luckily, it's a character who splits her time in space. Yep. So you know th- that's the best part about Captain Marvel, in my opinion, is that it it's, it's got the same aspect as the Green uh, Green Lantern, where all you have to be is like where where is that character? They're in space. <laughs> what can, I, where what can is- I say? They're in space. They've been in space. Uh, they're coming back from space. <laughs> And that, that's why I, I love that they managed to end Infinity War with uh, a, a distress call out to her. The idea being, if there's somebody who can take on Thanos, she's perfect for it. It almost seems like it's exactly what she's, you know, what her purpose is.
0: Yeah. So and I don't a, think it'll
1: be a great way of putting her together with the other characters, and she will, I think, stand toe-to-toe with you know, anybody trying to lead her like Tony Stark might.
0: Yeah, and I I, I don't doubt that she's going to be great. I mean, I don't doubt the actress who's playing her. I don't doubt the team that's putting it together. The trailers have just kind of had me fatigued, and I I'm finally hitting that comic book movie fatigue, but not to the point that I'm just, like, not interested. It's more like, okay, I haven't seen enough. And I hope that the trailers aren't giving me too much because I just really want to see this movie. I've been excited when they announced it. I'm still excited. I think what's going to be really difficult to in- implement or integrate with the rest of the movies is now that they're getting the rights back to Fantastic Four and X Men. How soon are they going to try to cram them in, or are they going to slowly like drip them in?
1: I almost feel like I almost feel like getting those characters back. That's your excuse to To reboot everything, I feel like they are. I feel like they are one or two bad box office surprises away from just being like, you know, we could just declare it over with and recast everybody and start from scratch with all of but those characters integrated.
0: But they like they still haven't had a bad box office. Like, every oh no, yeah, that's why yeah. they won't do that yet. No, they every single movie has been building bigger and bigger to some extent or like even Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp I think are some of the lower performing ones, but that was also built into those. Like they were aware these are going to be pun intended on some level smaller films and they expected them to perform smaller, but they are necessary they're understanding that sometimes like now that they built this universe it is going to be necessary to maintain the universe with smaller stories and smaller heroes and smaller movies that are basically going to be on a smaller scale or well, and, more and,
1: and they they definitely are planning for that too because on their streaming service i think they've they've announced that they've already sent to series uh, a two-hander that's going to be Scarlet Witch, and Vision yeah. in, in a streaming service show. Like, essentially, they're going to replace the Netflix Marvel shows with things like that, where it's yeah. a show that could conceivably be about this character. The actor is, you know, willing to drop down and do a show, and and sure, why wouldn't they? You know, Elizabeth Olsen, she doesn't get enough time in those Avengers movies. Why not take a starring roll in a 12 part series on Disney Plus or whatever it's going to be called. Now and wouldn't
0: it be cool though if she helps lead us into the X-Men like implementation through like be
1: very cool and that's, through, like a
0: House of M thing.
1: That would be the smartest way of doing it. I I somehow feel like they they won't go that smart with it. I feel like that would be I feel like I feel like that would be too uh what's the term I'm looking for here I feel I feel like that would be too obscure for Kevin Feige to take the entire MCU audience into new characters I
0: don't know I mean well the the thing with X-Men that's the unspoken thing is they're still doing Dark Phoenix why but they're still letting this movie come out um, because it's done, and it needs to just be done. And they basically, they, I think at this point, they know they're sending it out to die. Um, But the, because of that, you know, let's burn the Phoenix again. Like, awesome. So we're not going to get that for another decade, and we can't use the X-Men for a while. So basically, I feel like by having this movie come out, kind of probably contractually it has to come out. And also, like, business-wise, they need to make back the money they already spent on it. It's going to ensure that they're going to need to distance themselves from whatever the heck these X-Men movies are with, okay, now we're into the real universe again, and it's going to get really tricky to find, like, when is that line? When can we really psych people up? Are they going to start introducing some X-Men? Like, hint, hint here... Like,
1: you know what the, the smart way of going about all of this is going to be is eventually they're going to have to start they're they're going to have to branch off and make a second cinematic universe running parallel, yeah. So that they can eventually focus on that without killing off the old one. Uh huh. Like it, basically, I figure we're going to end up with the same way in the comics when it happened. We're going to end up with the Marvel Ultimate Universe in cinematic form. Yeah. Where it's going to be all the same characters, all the same everything, but it's all going to be reimagined and updated, and everything's going to be a little bit more accessible to the current kids of the time, whenever that might be. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're going to do that as their method of bringing back all the characters that they can't do anymore so that they can... It, it's going to be a soft reboot. They're basically going to do what J.J. J. Abrams did to Star Trek with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's what I feel is going to happen eventually. Yeah. Not not, not for years, I don't think. I, don't, I think we could probably get another... Oh, I bet we could get another six years out of this uh, MCU before they even start talking about, well, it's time to maybe shift towards something newer. And I'm really so what, it's gonna come, what it's going to come down to is how expensive it's going to be to have all of those actors come back every time. I think what the
0: the real the real challenge is going to be how, because they know how to ramp things up, but the power creep can only get so high before you have to ramp them back down. And Avengers 4 is clearly going to need to be the, like, peak And now they're going to have to find a way to settle things down because they're not going to be able to top this one for a while. Like, it's going to take another group, like, building, you know, decade to get back to earning something this large scale. And that's going to be the challenge is how do you take this where we're at this peak How do you bring it back down to reasonable expectations and start to build again? Or, like, ramp it back down so that we can ramp it back up? How do we do this gracefully? Because in comics, they can do that because they've got constant series running, and they can keep the continuity... Depending on who's, like, in charge, like, running, running that whole thing. They can keep the continuity going pretty good between different comic series... Um, But movie-wise, it's, you know, everything's more complicated. They can't, they don't have, like, a dozen series running currently. They have a couple movie franchises that are currently running, and some are kind of going dormant. Like, we're not going to see another Incredible Hulk or Thor movie for a bit. Um, We're not going to see another Iron Man movie for a bit. Like, these things are starting to slowly taper down while the other ones are building up. I'm am very curious like what happens after Avengers 4.
1: Yeah, it's uh whatever whatever ends up being the answer to that question, it's going to be a different direction I think. And and that's for the best because you, I I have all faith in these movies. I think they're all still really good. I haven't seen one that I haven't really enjoyed, but yeah. You have to start moving in another direction. We're we're getting to the point where we're at post -post postmodernism where with these things and there's nowhere to go beyond that. Yeah. But at at any rate. At any rate, I
0: see this is probably the best time to finish this episode off with a last mention of the the myth, the legend, the man himself,
1: Stanley. Yeah, uh, I I took I took the death of Stanley pretty hard myself. It was
0: a mixed feeling because um, I mean, it wasn't a shock to me, but it was yeah. still you know it's still a bummer. I mean, it's still sad to see. But it is one of those like, well, he definitely had a hell of a life, and it's one of those where he's in his late nineties. And he lived through the the '60s um, as like with money, like with wealth. And he lived through the '60s and '70s with wealth. He still made it to his late '90s. Like that's that he he definitely he lived out that life for sure. Yeah, it's
1: it's really interesting. I think my first exposure to Stanley as as a person, and not just as the name attached to all those characters, was. Funny enough, the movie Mallrats. I think I think there's a lot of people at RH who would probably say the same thing. Is that that's the first time I saw Stanley was in Mallrats. Yeah, and at the time he was like 65 years old, Mm-hmm. and that movie was what was that 30 years ago now? It was yeah. the
0: mid 90s early yeah, days. Yeah, okay, so yeah. it was like
1: 25 years ago or something like that, but yeah, the man was like 65 years old at the time. He's yeah. very much, he was like a Vagoda, just a man you assume was born at age 50. Yeah. And uh, that that has always been part of the legend that was Stan is, oh, he's just this old, he's he really was Obi-Wan Kenobi in that regard of, oh, that wizard, he's a crazy old man. Yeah. He, he's just, he tells stories, he, he says crazy words like Excelsior. <laughs> he's, you know, he's just this impish old man of of mystery and intrigue.
0: I, a couple, not, not too long ago, like a year or two ago, I read a, basically the whole history of Marvel comics from start to basically the book like ends right before it's like, and then the movies are being made. And I hear The Avengers is about to come out. And it's like, it's one of those books where you're like, oh, I can't wait to read this in five years when you've made the addendum. Like, note, new material added. Whoa! Because in that book, it's fascinating to hear, like, how Marvel kind of started and through the rough times. And it's really interesting to hear just how passionate Stanley was and how, I mean, we all knew he's integral to things, but just to find out how... Hard he had pushed to get Marvel properties into movies that were successful movies and he like was pushing with all of his might to try to break through and making a lot of unfortunate like bad partnerships that burned him over and over but he did not stop and he kept pushing Without that, we wouldn't have what we have now, where it's not sitting here going, "Oh yeah, like it's inevitable that the biggest damn movie is going to make a bigger damn movie." That like this, it's it is really really good to see. He saw his like greatest dream of a man who already had all of his greatest dreams. He made a new greatester dream. It was I want to see these these things on the silver screen and be a real thing? And it's like. Yeah. Your characters are now some of the most iconic characters of all time and they've broken all sorts of like through everything. They're not just for comic book fans. They're for everybody now. And it's cool that that he got to see that. He got to be
1: part of it, like one of you know, really great part of it. Yeah, I he, he was a complicated guy. A lot of people uh, yeah. a lot of people will talk now about uh, how he you know, you, you could definitely say he treated unfairly uh, Ditko and Kirby during the heyday. I mean, there's uh, a lot of
0: nuance to that.
1: There, there is, and I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't paint him as the perfect person. I, he was a complicated guy, and so were his characters. Uh, you know, they were, they were flawed the same way he was. I don't think that he was out to hurt anybody in, in those situations, but. It feels like a lot
0: of that. He was very extroverted and they were very introverted.
1: Yeah, they were, he was, he was the carnival barker and that's what, that's Mm -hmm. what his job was for, for many, many decades. Even the last couple of decades with just being the guy in the movies, just being the old man who, who started all of this being the spokesman for the medium itself was his job. And he took that job very seriously. Mm -hmm. And, you can't take that away from him. He And no. he was great at it, too. He was great at being the representative of what comic books are in the in the greatest sense.
0: And I've heard that he's actually, he f- ended up filming, like, his cameos in the next, like, however many movies that are yet to come. So, like, his, he's yeah, already got it, at least
1: know. five. I heard they've got at least five in the can right now.
0: Uh, so those will be hard to see, I think. Like, that'll yeah. always
1: be a moment where people will kind of like,
0: ah, oh, our guy. And we know that you're going to see either in Captain Marvel or Avengers 4, like, dedicated to, you know, Stan the Man.
1: Oh, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it'll, if not both, you know, it'll be happening. I actually got hit, um, you know, he passed, what was just a week ago, week and a half?
1: Oh, uh, too- I think it was longer than that. I think it was maybe two weeks ago. Um, like within
0: that within that week, I had picked Spider Man on PS4 back up, and I didn't realize that he had a cameo in that game. I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't have assumed that, but uh, it's a really cute scene. Like not too far into the game, where hey, there he is, and they recreated him so well in their character model, and he has this a really sweet line where he's talking about, you know. Peter and MJ, and he's like, I always like, you guys were always my favorite. And I'm like, ah, oh, Stan. I'm gonna miss you, Stan.
1: I really am gonna miss the old man, and I, yeah. you know, so, some of the best pieces of storytelling advice that I've ever received have been from guys like Stan, and one of, one of the things that he always said that stuck with me was that every comic book is somebody's first comic book. Yeah. Which... That that's a great piece of writing advice for you know even if you don't if you even if you're not talking comic books, but also, I mean he he was just such a great ambassador for for the the idea that you could tell stories this way the idea that okay even even with silly you know comic book superhero characters you can still tell a human story. That was always his aim, was to tell a human story even in superhuman trappings. And that's obviously what makes these stories better, is when it's something relatable, something to believe in. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Did you ever see his cameo in uh, Teen Titans Go to the movies?
1: I still haven't seen Teen Titans Go to the movies. Uh, I'm actually still in the process of getting my boy into the show, which... (laughs) <laughs> it didn't take much cajoling he actually digs it and that's good because it's it's fun it's a lot of fun but i haven't I haven't,
0: seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie i do want to see it um but i i think i've seen the clip of he that stanley has a cameo in that and it's hilarious because the movie itself is of course very irreverent about everything and he like shows up and he's like Greetings, comic fans! Like, here I am, Stan Lee, like, doing my mandatory cameo. And someone's, like, an aide runs in, like, Oh, Stan, this is a DC movie. Oh, what? This is a DC movie. Like, oh, my gosh! And, like, he freaks out in the background, like, leaves. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Like, that's that's some of my favorite, is that he... His cameos went from a cute nod to just, like, their own, like, artwork. I mean, his in was it um, Guardians of the Galaxy two when he he's talking to the Watchers. Yeah, yeah, um, and
1: that one I'm, that one got turned into a sad death meme for him of him saying, "Ah, oh, gee, I got, I, I, still got so many stories to tell." Yeah, I was like, "Don't, oh, don't do that. Don't make it. Don't make it sad."
0: Don't make it sad. He he told his story. He told all the stories that he. I think ever really wanted to tell. I mean, he would tell stories and tell for eternity if we let him, and he'll probably still tell more stories. We don't know.
1: We we don't know. He's he's out there somewhere. Yeah. So 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 to Stan, we say Excelsior. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. for being with us for so long, Spider you, Friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you gave us more than anyone could have asked for. And we salute you.
1: Yeah, you live the hell out of life, Stan. Yeah. With on, that that,
0: note, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on that we have fun stuff in our life coming up, of course, because this is recording Tuesday night. I am now, at this moment in time, less than two days away from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the Nintendo Switch. And I am stoked...
1: Oh, that's going to be a big episode extravaganza for you folks. I'm just going to let him go. I'm going to have a sandwich.
0: I'm probably going to go crazy on that. So, yeah, uh, Kyle, uh, I know people can find me on Twitter at at the Chris Pranger. And, uh, Absolutely, they can. And they
1: can find me at Kyle Martinak for uh, my personal thoughts. And anything that gets posted up on the blog space, you can find that on Twitter. Uh, that gets updated with every post. At media underscore sandwich, and you can find everything that's posted, including the podcast episodes and blogs from both of us. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. is doing writing the backlog. Uh, currently, we're going through Dragon Ball Fighters Z. Is that how you say it?
0: Dragon Ball Fighters. Fighters. I think it's, it's a dumb name, a great game. Um, there so eight, I mean, yeah, game. yeah, only sets. There's only eight sessions on that, so I think we're two away then from the end. And I need to actually post. I missed out that we posted a uh, five and six, so I gotta be like,
1: oh, everybody, go watch, go read this. Yeah, yeah. sorry about that. Uh, yeah, uh, five and six or six went up today, and uh, the the other two should pop up later in the week, probably. Uh, probably Thursday and Friday, and uh, hopefully this episode drops tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, and
0: yeah, then, I, yeah. I'm either gonna then switch to Banjo Kazooie for my next playthrough, or I might do Smash Ultimate, like do the story mode and some stuff on that. So we'll see.
1: That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. That'd be that you a lot of clicks. <laughs> and uh, right. and I am doing. I'm finally back from my month long. Uh, break from the blog I'm going to be doing uh, Crossing the Stream this week for the first time in a while. Awesome. Gave back some weight, so that's going to be a fun conversation with y'all.
0: It's Thanksgiving time. You had to do it. Sure, sure. <laughs>
1: uh, and then uh, no also, court will convict you. No court will convict me whatsoever. But uh, also we've got our other podcast, which is Dad's Review a Thing, that which is available anywhere podcasts are alongside this show.
0: Yep, we did and, Undertale uh, recently.
1: That's right. That was a, that was that was a, a great one. It
0: was a great one. and We're going to do Octodad before the end of this year. Uh, we'll discuss when you can come over. We can do that.
1: Sounds great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, all of, all of that stuff, you can also, uh, if you have anything that you'd like to say to us that you'd like maybe read out loud on the show if it's something... That you think the other folks would like to hear, you can send it to us at mediasandwichshow uh, at gmail.com and drop a line on the Twitter or we also have a Facebook page which is uh, Media Sandwich Podcast Show where all of the blog stuff gets posted. It's it's really really hard to miss us if you're if you're looking if giving even a cursory glance. Yeah. The- we're there.
0: But now we're not. Now we're gone. Now, that was great. Yeah, now we're now, gone. Now we're, we're gone. gone. Now it's time to go get a sandwich.
1: So go get a sandwich. And meet us back here for the next media sandwich. You're supposed to say that along with me. Reheated. <laughs> this is this is all a mess. <laughs>